Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life ready. In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. All of us on the MSEC For the Sake of the Child podcast team would like to take the time to say thank you to the Naval Officers Spouses Club of San Diego for providing the funds to make today's podcast possible. Your support allows us to share both information and resources and also helps to build connection through shared stories and experiences, which can provide our military kids, their families, and the professionals who serve them the tools they need to help our military-connected children thrive. We can't thank you enough, and we hope that you enjoy our episode today. Welcome, everyone, to our podcast for the sake of the child. My name is Susan Sellers. I'm the spouse of an active duty service member, parent to three military kids, a master parent-to-parent educator, and now a podcast host at the Military Child Education Coalition. Today, we're going to talk to Marla Muck from the Stephen A. Cohen Military Family Clinic at Veterans Village of San Diego. The Cohen Clinic at VVSD is one of the 16 mental health clinics nationwide under the Stanford-based nonprofit Cohen Veterans Network. This network primarily focuses on providing targeted treatment for a variety of mental health challenges that are faced by post-9-11 veterans as well as military families, and this can include depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress, transition, and many more. So we have Marla Monk joining us today, and she has more than 15 years of experience in the social work and mental health field. Currently, she is a licensed clinical social worker at the Stephen A. Cohen Military Family Clinic at Veterans Village of San Diego. Currently, Marla lives in Coronado, California with her active duty Navy husband, who has more than 20 years of service along with their two children. As a military spouse, daughter of a service member, and mother of two military children, Marla is aware of the challenges associated with military life and beyond. Marla, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Well, I am just going to say it, and I'm sure you can perhaps identify with this. It has been quite the year for everyone. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Military families, you know, we're known for our perseverance, but I really think, you know, at least from what I'm seeing, everybody's resolve has been tested this year. You know, this COVID cycle seems to have um, affected so many aspects of our lives, you know, on top of just the everyday struggles military families face, such as, you know, deployments or just transitions. As someone who's currently working with military families, what are some of the stressors that you're seeing that are affecting our military community? Well, I would say we're seeing, you know, just a lot of the the general stressors. A lot of the stressors that I'm seeing among clients is just like managing, you know, and just actually just some of the people that I I interact with in, you know, my my 
my neighborhood as well. Um, a lot of folks managing with um, differing like anxiety levels, that increased anxiety, um, feeling that low mood, feeling a lot of just like being overwhelmed and also feeling like uh, isolation. You know, in addition to like the just general stressors of life, like finding time to get everything done that needs to get done, meeting like your own personal responsibilities or responsibilities that you have with family and work obligations. And then I think like COVID has just added to that mix of those stressors that are already present for both like the kiddos and the adults. And I think like with COVID in general, like we're, we're just seeing it, it, it's just a, a new way of life. And I think people are just trying to, to wrap their heads around that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, I think so many people can identify with what you just shared. I, I know I'm shaking my head. Yes, you know, our <laughs> our new normal isn't consistent or stable. And for a lot of us, that really can come, you know, compound just any sort of everyday anxiety that we may be experiencing. I know over the last few months, I've just felt more tired than normally I do. And I think that's just mm -hmm. because, you know, there's so many complexities that go along with military life. You know, I mentioned deployments and um, transitions, or, you know, maybe there's a family out there that thought they were PCSing or moving and, you know, they got put <laughs> on hold for when yeah. everything got held up because of COVID. So, you know, life right now, it's it kind Kind of feels like it's climbing more of a mountain versus a hill. And as a parent, though, you know, we may feel that we're accustomed to some of these stressors, but, mm -hmm. you know, for our children, we want to foster resiliency in them. So how can we empower our kids to successfully kind of climb this new normal, you know, this new mountain of life without just taking over and, and doing the hard work for them? So the COVID cyclone seems to have affected so many different aspects of our lives on top of the everyday struggles military families face, such as deployments or transitions. As someone who works with military families, what are some of the stressors that you see affecting our community, specifically with younger kids? So a lot of what I see impacting the younger kids are just like some of the same stressors that some of the adults are going through. You know, um, a lot of times the um, the adults. Uh, there was a, a survey that Cohen um, released a couple of uh, a couple of um, months ago. It was uh, pulse surveys, and they looked at mental health of Americans during the pandemic. And what they found is that a lot of Americans are like concerned about their mental health because of that social distancing, and they're reporting feeling anxious, um, not being able to sleep, feeling isolated. And a lot of folks are worried that the pandemic will have like a negative impact on them. So what we're seeing getting back to that to the kids is that a lot of those kids are kind of feeling feeling that way too. You know, they're feeling that way. They're feeling stressed. Um, some of those kids are feeling, or a lot of them actually from what I see, are also feeling that ongoing stress of social distancing, like just going to the store, like, okay, mom, how close is too close? Like, what am I allowed to do? Can I really never go to the store with you again? Just like all of those things, like, what does this look like? And so, although that that survey that I had just mentioned, like talks about adults, a lot of kids are feeling those same things. That social isolation, that anxiety, um, not knowing what's gonna happen. And so it just, they're going through the same things that some of the adults are, but on that kid level. Does that make sense? 
it completely makes sense because there's not necessarily parameters in place right now, like you mentioned, right. you know, how far is six feet, you know, easy tasks like going to the grocery store or, um, you know, going out to pick up dinner or something like that has become more stressful, not only for parents, but for also kids, because, you know, kids are kind of, they're gauging what their parents are doing, what they're reacting. Mm -hmm. And now we've, you add isolation on top of it. I definitely see a lot of the same feelings or emotions that adults are having are being mirrored in kids. And I can only imagine for, you know, maybe our kids are even a little bit older, our military students, those in high school and college, their experience has been completely altered. You know, there's a a lot of states that are now only offering virtual school or even virtual college, and they're not having that same college experience. What are you seeing with your clients in terms of how kids are handling this or or what sort of emotions are are coming to the surface because of these, these challenges or these limitations? Oh, such a great question. You know, with adults, they're able to, and sometimes they are, but sometimes they aren't, like able to say like, boy, I'm feeling really overwhelmed and stressed right now. But your five-year-old or your high schooler may not come up and just say, wow, I'm feeling super anxious, mom. Like I'm feeling dysregulated. I'm not sure how to handle that. So sometimes they don't have that language. So you might see that come out emotionally, like you were saying, like just maybe um, more anxious, like, okay, so what time are we doing this? What time are we doing that? wanting to know like uh like a set schedule for everything when everything's going to happen or maybe just acting out more emotionally maybe having that shorter fuse having these really big emotions inside of them that they don't know what to do so it could be uh you know being defiant it could be throwing something it could be crying it could be just like shutting down and so we might see that, see that happening with elementary as well as um, high school and college students. And so some of the things that we see coming in, it's like, I just want to have my child to have someone to talk to just about what they're going through because they're, they're, we're seeing behaviors that are different, maybe a little bit of like regression, re- regression behaviors. Like, well, you were good with getting yourself dressed before and ready for school now and ready for the day now. You know, what's different? Well, what's different is, is I'm not sure what school looks like now. And so those things that they used to be able to do, it's harder for them to do now. And so maybe look for those like subtle cues and like changes in their behavior, maybe subtle or not so subtle sometimes. Does that make sense? Yes, no, absolutely. And I'm shaking my head. Yes, I'm sure <laughs> like you can see it, but you can't. Yeah. I think a lot of people can really identify with what you just shared, you know, these behaviors. And regardless of the age, I think our new normal isn't, it's not consistent. It's not mm-hmm. stable right now. College kids and high school kids are probably not feeling as motivated um, because that future is still very, very uncertain on, on so many different aspects. So, you know, so when you have these new challenges or these new COVID challenges, I guess, as maybe they've been termed, mm-hmm. just to even just the complexities of military life, like moving to a new place or not moving because uh, the military uh, has held up moves. You know, I know there were a lot of families kind of in limbo over the summer as to whether or not we're moving or we not moving. It really can make life feel like you're climbing more of a mountain 
versus a hill. Mm-hmm. And I know you had mentioned that, you know, as adults, sometimes we have those skills, we have those abilities to articulate, like, I'm feeling very frustrated that I can only shop online for groceries right now. Right. But as, as kids or even young adults, they may not have those areas quite developed. So mm-hmm. how as parents, though, how can we foster resilience in our children, you know, to empower them to climb this mountain of life, but, and we want them to be successful, but mm-hmm. to do it in a way so that we're not taking over or we're not holding them back. Yeah. So I would say to, well, first of all, empathize with your kiddos, with your your little ones or your teenagers or your college students that like, I get it. You know, I'm really sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, to help them kind of sit with those feelings for a moment, I'm sorry that you feel like you're getting robbed of that experience of being able to go to your first day of your fifth of fifth grade or your first day of high school or your first day of college and being with your peers because it's just different logging on. So being able to let them express that, like how was that making you feel? Are you feeling sad? Are you feeling lonely? And you know, let's just talk about that. So first letting, you know, kind of validating that experience for them, validating their feelings that it is hard, but then talk about what would be helpful for them going forward. Okay. I know that we're going to start school this year and it's going to look different. So what would be helpful for you going forward? Instead of, like you said, like, don't, let's not do it for them, um, but help them kind of climb that mountain themselves with some assistance, but help them to set up a routine. Okay. What do you want your routine to look like? Okay. Of, Of course it can't be like, well, I want my routine to be like, let's eat cake in the morning for breakfast. I feel like that'll really help me for online school today. Wait, uh, okay, I like where you're going. So maybe we can give you that reward after you've had that successful online day at school. But maybe just to set up the routine of, okay, so maybe you could pick out some of the school supplies that you want to get. Let's do back to school shopping. Even if it has to be online, let's get an outfit that you would normally do for that first day of school. Let's do something to kind of normalize that for them. And let's set them up for success. Take on more of that role as a parent and a coach in a sense so that they can learn to be successful on their own. When we allow our children, no matter what age they are, to take on some of that responsibility themselves, we're giving that opportunity to feel proud once they've accomplished it. Does that make sense? Oh, I think so. And I I really like how you said to sit with their feelings. Um, In a sense, you're sort of validating what they're experiencing. uh, Because sometimes as a parent, I know just speaking for myself, we Mm -hmm. are not necessarily dismissive of of their feelings, but we want to quickly so go to, let's find the positive. Let's just keep going. Let's just, without even acknowledging how they feel. And I think that is so important because Mm -hmm. that's part of the process of building resiliency is understanding that you are going to have these obstacles. You are going to have these things that happen and it's okay to have these emotions that go along with it but then kind of coming alongside them and Mm -hmm. parenting slash coaching them to encourage either responsibilities, like you said, more ownership in what they can control certainly is a wonderful coping skill. And I, I think, you know, 
we need to remember that, you know, coping skills take practice and they're going to keep taking guidance from us as parents, even when they're in high school and think they know everything. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but, you know, because nobody is born with just the best of coping skills. You know, it's something that you learn over time. It's something that you can grow into and, and um, develop, you know, and even as parents, I know that we talked about that parents and children are mirroring a lot of the same emotions or the same stressors. But mm -hmm. I, I feel like in this day and age, now that some of the education is falling on the way to parents, there's even another layer of stress is are mm -hmm. you seeing some of these things particularly with working parents what are you seeing yes and yes i'm seeing all those things particularly like because not only am i working with working parents but i live next to working parents i am a working parent so yeah i'm seeing a lot of folks just overwhelmed um overwhelmed of okay i want to make sure that not only am i able to get um, make sure that my child's doing okay but making sure that they're doing okay, not only academically, but physically and emotionally. And to make sure that I'm doing okay as a parent, being able to get all the things done. So I would say I'm seeing folks just trying to manage it all and trying to get it all done. And in a way that makes sure that everybody's needs are getting met. And so I think along with that comes really just making those expectations realistic that you put on yourself and that you put on your child. I agree. I think the pressure as a parent to be able to do it all right now seems to have intensified, you know, because of our, our current environment. And while we're focused on our kids and trying to um, help them with their coping skills and help them to, you know, sort of navigate this mountain of life that we're, we're climbing with them together, mm -hmm. we don't always do a great job as parents by leading by example. You know, oftentimes we may get caught up in Pinterest or Facebook and seeing, you <laughs> yeah. know, how other families are, are, are cooking a five-course meal and they've already done their calculus homework and they're already teaching Chinese and two other different languages. And, and as parents, you know, our kids are looking to us to kind of pave that way to show them, you know, how some of these coping skills are, but we're not always great at taking care of ourselves. What other advice would you give to parents when it comes to these expectations, whether it's expectations that we put on ourselves, expectations from the school, and particularly for those parents that maybe are single parents, you know, maybe the spouse mm -hmm. is deployed or, you know, even the parent, as we mentioned, that's working and then trying to figure out how in the world they're going to educate their kids after working, you know, eight or 10 hours. Right. So what I would say is, well, first, I'm kind of in that boat right now. So to give a little bit of self-disclosure, I am that parent who's working and trying to work with my kids and my husband's deployed. And so it's interesting. So what I find myself saying to others and, and I find myself saying to, to myself every day is that to set reasonable expectations or rules that you have for yourself and that you have for your kids before you need to use them, right? So before you are logging your child in or helping them to log into their class and before you're about to get on a work call or whatever it is, instead of saying as you're about to, in, in my case, like going into my work office and saying, okay, mommy's gonna work now. <laughs> the baby gate's up, I'm putting on my sound machine. Don't come upstairs at all. Like, And then I'm gone. If I don't give them any expectations, like, okay, 
So what does that mean, mom? How long are you going to be gone? What if I need something from you? What should I do? Or I'm about to log into my class. Does that mean that I can turn off my camera? Does that mean I could do whatever I want? Does that mean I can play video games while I'm doing it? So set those expectations and have those rules in place beforehand. So that way, okay, even do a practice run for it. All right, this is what my day's going to look like. This is what your day's going to look out look like. Let's set up a practice run. Let's do it before. So you can work out some of those kinks. But also with those expectations, know that not one family is exactly the same. Everybody's going to do things differently and you just have to make it fit into what works for you. And yeah, you may go downstairs at the end of the day and your your house looks a little less tidy than you want it to look like, but is everybody alive? Are they good? Did they learn what they needed to, to learn for the day? And were you able to get what you needed to get done done? It may not have been done perfectly, but it got done and that's okay. You don't have to look like, you know, those, those Pinterest things that we were talking about, that perfect family that, oh, but I, <laughs> I found this awesome school schedule on Pinterest. I don't know if you remember like when that, it, they had like a, co, a COVID schedule that came out. I remember seeing the, the example of it on Instagram. And I was like, oh, what a fantastic idea. We're gonna start out our day guys and we're gonna do morning yoga at 7 a.m. It's gonna be awesome. And then we're gonna have the, this hour break for school. And then we're gonna do this and it's gonna be amazing. And then quickly, yeah, we did that for like an hour and then it all goes out the window. <laughs> and so you can't go, oh, I'm a failure. No, that's okay. That's okay. Just do what, what you can get done. So those expectations a lot of times can set you up for a disappointment. So if we just make them reasonable and manageable, and then that, that way your kids can see like, okay, so mom had this plan in place, but not everything went exactly the way she wanted to. And that's okay. She didn't, you know, she didn't freak out. She didn't yell. She didn't scream. Yeah, she seemed a little frustrated. Said mommy needed a timeout. But now I'm learning that not everything goes according to plan. I was able to look to mom, see how she coped with it. I, I have to say, I mean, just hearing you validate some of those things, <laughs> oh, um, you know, make me feel better. I mean, I, I, I was just taking a deep breath and just going, yes, it's okay. It's kind of um, like hey. fitting the rocks in your jar of life, you know, your rocks of totally. time. If you can get the important totally. things in, then the rest needs to be gravy. And I really like your suggestion of setting reasonable expectations beforehand because you're setting the expectations not only for your kids, but you're also setting them for yourselves because mm -hmm. when you're working out of the house, it's very easy to become entrenched in work and just work 30 more minutes or 40 more minutes yeah. and then dinner's delayed and then bedtime is delayed and then everybody's, you know, falling apart. And so if you have some of these parameters in place beforehand, then maybe that will mitigate some of the challenges that, that were happening you know, throughout the day. Absolutely. And it just, I think sometimes if you are so, um, you know, you love your job and, you know, as we, we, we love our jobs and when we um, get into the flow of things, you could think, oh, great, I'm working from home. Cool. That means I get to do like two extra hours of work that I normally would have been doing in that commute time. How awesome is that? But, you know, like <laughs> you have to still take those breaks. It's so important. It's so important. And to take those breaks, um, and to check in with your kiddos too, to make sure that they're doing okay. Even just a quick like, hey, how's it going? 
how's it going with his school schedule? And so, so important to, yeah, like, you, you know, like you said, like to build that in too, to make sure that, um, that nobody's getting overwhelmed. Well, I mean, let's be honest, we're going to get overwhelmed, but that we can manage it. Exactly. And it's, it's all about managing it right now. Yeah. And, and, you know, what's best for one family is, is may not necessarily be what works for another family, yeah. but you know, finding what is important to your family and finding the, the important expectations to focus on, I think is, is really, from what I hear you saying, is really what makes essentially going towards better coping skills. So, um, you know, though on occasion, families may, you know, they may need more guidance when it comes to their current struggles. Maybe they just are having a hard time um, getting to that starting point. They're, they can't get past the feeling of being overwhelmed, you know, mm -hmm. and this could be either a child or a parent. How does the Cohen Clinic at VVSD, you know, how does it assist in these particular situations? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm so thankful for our clinic. And what it does is we offer like a variety of like targeted treatments that can help families work towards improving that mood, work towards reducing that anxiety, helping clients and children focus on what is within their control and learn how to identify and appropriately um, like express emotions and set healthy boundaries and realistic expectations. And really just helping them kind of continue to cope and, and gets just some of those extra tools or even that extra person to talk to who's like, yeah, like I get it. That sounds super frustrating. And how can we make a plan together, right? And that that we, we come alongside the family, we come alongside those clients and make a plan together that will help the client meet their goals and meet their needs of being able to, to improve those coping skills or or um, cope with any of those trauma-related stressors that may come up and we'll just come alongside and help the families together. It, it's an amazing resource. We offer targeted client-centered therapy. So when I say client-centered, that's what kind of I was saying. It's like we come alongside them to do it for them, but we don't like say, you, you must do this, this, and this. Okay, well, what are your goals? And let's figure out how to reach those together. Does that make sense? It does. Absolutely. I, th I think when you have a voice in something, you're more invested oh, absolutely. Um, in, into a success. It's kind of um, similar to the example you gave with younger kids and uh, letting them focus on the things that they can control. Like, mm -hmm. what would you like for breakfast other than chocolate cake? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, so I would love chocolate cake every morning, but, you know, kind of giving them a sense of direction. And sometimes people just need that. And I know that the Cohen Clinic also, they believe in the community model of care mm -hmm. um, in the facility, because I think it's really important that supporting the whole family, um, you know, not just veterans, not just kids, not just, just the parents. Oftentimes you can even provide family assistance because we all know that sometimes when things become more acute in an individual, it really can affect the entire family. So I just so impressed that Cohen Clinic kind of raises that theory behind their care and, and not to be limited by the current pandemic, 
uh, the clinic has also started utilizing or has maybe always continued uh, utilizing telehealth, um, but they've really been implementing this even more recently. Can you share how incorporating this resource of telehealth has maybe even empowered more people to seek assistance? Sure, absolutely. And I just wanted to like kind of touch on how, you know, it, you had just um, mentioned how we are there not only for the 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 veteran, but we're also there for the, the families too. And in fact, like based on our most recent results, almost half of the clients like over our whole network are non-veteran family members and children. So we definitely serve, we're definitely there for those families and children as well. Um, but so what telehealth has done and for, we've been doing telehealth for a while um, so that's just been something that we've always offered. But when the pandemic came, we really stepped up nationwide. All of our clinics, we stepped up and it was because we had already started doing telehealth. It was kind of a, a seamless process. And so we moved quickly earlier in the year. So we've been setting up telehealth, getting it going. Um, a lot of our clients were already being seen telehealth that it was really kind of seamless. Like I said, each of our clinics isn't able to offer care via telehealth. So everybody was able to do it at any of our clinics if, if they chose to continue on with telehealth. And um, what we've done is we've delivered more than 32,000 telehealth sessions just in 2020. And so if that, oh, yeah, that remarkable. tells you how much <laughs> it's been. And uh, just speaking from our, our own clinics experience, you know, from when um, I'm in, you know, I'm in Southern California, as we had talked about. And um, I remember this because it was Friday the 13th. And that's also how the kids are remembering it, too, because that was the day. Like, remember when we were sent home from school on Friday the 13th and then we didn't go back? Uh, <laughs> remember that, Mom? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a new the meaning for Friday the 13th. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it was like that extended spring break that didn't end and it wasn't spring break. Um and so, but I even remember just from that day, everybody was like, okay, so this is what's going forward. We're going to be operating um, remotely. But here's the amazing thing is that we can, we've already been practicing it. We've already been doing it. So we can continue offering this service to our clients and offer this service to our clients um, and, and incoming clients who maybe aren't clients yet to get new people kind of involved in that. And so, um, it's been incredible. Um, and we're, what we're able to do is offer face-to-face -face video therapy. So it's through a Zoom, a confidential like Zoom platform. And we're able to offer in-person session. I mean, in person, I mean, it feels like it's in person, it's telehealth, but we're, we try to do, we can do just about the same things. I mean, sometimes, except without the parking, right? Except without the traffic. Right. But <laughs> I think, I think, I think maybe it even helps with like just the first step and and getting Absolutely. assistance because you're not having to drive to somewhere you can stay okay. in your home or um, wherever you decide to to take these meetings. Um, so are you seeing it does I'm curious, though, does it give mm -hmm. you an opportunity to kind of get a better glimpse of uh, what people are going through or how you can help them um, because you're seeing them in their home environment? Yes. Yes. And that's, I mean, what a great question that it definitely does because when someone, you know, sits in the office and says, I'm feeling overwhelmed or, 
or even if like one of your friends you're talking to on your you've been talking to a friend who's you know living in a different state saying i'm pretty i'm feeling pretty overwhelmed by this i've got like kids and a dog and you know my husband's gone or my wife is gone or um i don't have a lot of help and you go okay on the phone you're like okay you're just you're being extra again but then if you can say oh wait <laughs> i can see what's happening in your home a hundred percent like oh yeah you have a lot going on and i could see why that would be super overwhelming and so it, it, it gives you more of that glimpse into, into what's happening and and it also helps to help the um, a lot of times people feel more comfortable in their own home too it, it's a familiar setting and sometimes when you come into the office and have a session um although our offices are very welcoming it's sometimes just that that step of being in an office can be a challenge for folks and so i love how this kind of makes it accessible for everybody and we can get you know that that glimpse inside their homes and what it looks like and be able to offer that that you know that, that greater sense of empathy too another thing that I, I wanted to touch on and i think you had mentioned it previously when we were talking about um the community resources too that are available and that community model of care we have found an increase in our um, case management referrals as well. Just getting all of those community services and um, kind of linking uh, the folks that we work with with all of the amazing resources that are in our community too. So that's been amazing. No, and I think that is so important because sometimes people don't know where to start or what resources yeah. are available to them. And and now, you know, through this telehealth, as you said, you're, you're getting to get more of a, a visual painting or a visual understanding of what people are going through. And in turn, you can um, direct them more effectively to, you know, the support that they need. And it's, I have to ask, because I can just hear it in mm -hmm. your voice. Would you share with our listeners, like, what drives you to be so passionate about the focus of helping military families? I am passionate about it. And I think it would just be that it's my own personal experiences, too. I think it's that I'm a military spouse. I come from a military family. My children, you know, are, are along on this uh, military lifestyle journey with us as well. Um, and I've, I've worked with the military communities in the past as well. And it's just, if I can be there anyway to support the military families and veterans and, and their kiddos on this journey, I'm honored. Just because I'm familiar with some of those struggles. And it just means so much to me. And I'm, I'm honored to be able to, to be there. It's such a unique lifestyle. And I think a lot of times, folks who are outside of the military community and that veteran community may not get it as much. Sometimes I hear, oh my gosh, how, how can you go you know, six months at a time, if not more, away from your spouse or your partner and, and having to raise the kids on your own and work and things like that. And, and the great thing is, is I'm not really doing it on my own. I mean, I am, but I have all these amazing resources available. And Cohen is one of those resources. And so that's why I'm passionate about it because I know how much it's needed and I know how helpful it is. And to, well, it, you certainly yeah. understand the the uniqueness of a, of a, of a military life for sure. From mm -hmm. being a spouse and a military mom to you know even um, being the daughter of someone who served uh, in the military. So it, it's nice to hear you know the phrase you know you get it. 
So that, that really can certainly make a difference in terms of connecting with other families and, and helping them out the best they can. In addition to telehealth, I know Cohen Clinic at VVSD has lots of other resources that are available to our military families. Can you highlight just a couple more of your favorites? Oh, sure. In addition to the, we offer the individual therapy for adults and children. We offer couples therapy, family therapy, and we also offer case management services that can help with food, link folks um, to the access to our community partners and resources. And we have lots of groups and webinars that are offered too. If somebody's on the fence about whether or not they want to do telehealth, there's, I think there's a recorded webinar that we have on what telehealth looks like, what therapy would look like. There's actually going to be an active duty spouse coffee and chat group that's going to be starting on September 9th. And so it's not therapeutic, but it's just a, a place where active duty spouses and partners can just connect with other folks who are kind of going through the same thing that they are, working to improve those social connections in, in a time that it's hard for us to connect socially. So that's pretty cool. Those are some of the great resources that um, I'm glad that we have available. And we have a, a lot of things that we advertise on our social media channels. So if they just go to the Facebook page at Cohen VVSD, we're always posting stuff in addition to the groups that we provide, but some of the resources that are available too. Well, you know, I think those resources sound phenomenal, and we're going to make sure to put all that information in our show's notes. Well, Marla, I want to thank you so much for taking the time today to talk to us and for sharing your knowledge and expertise with our listeners. We are just so grateful during this time of uncertainty with just so many things that the Cohen Clinic at VVSD is here for our military families. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And we always want to thank our listeners for joining us today. As I mentioned, we're going to include not only the website for the Cohen Veterans Network and the Cohen Clinic at VVSD, but we'll also include information on their Facebook page and other social media sites in our show's notes for today. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe. And we always appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. Have a great day. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the generous support provided by Naval Officer Spouses Club of San Diego. Thank you for making a difference in the lives of military children. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.